Hi there, and welcome back. You are now listening to what I am referring to as a Triple T episode. So after each testimony that you listen to, there will be a follow-up episode, just like the one you're listening to now that's full of practical application. takeaway gleaned from what the person shared, teaching that will help equip and strengthen you, and a tip that you can immediately apply to activate your faith. So now, take a listen for takeaway, teaching, and tip. I just want to thank Cindy again for courageously sharing her testimony with us. If you know somebody who is battling anxiety or panic attacks or fear in general, please share her testimony with them as well as this teaching. I truly believe that they can and will minister to many people who may be just suffering in silence. I forgot to mention during the interview, but Cindy is not only a good friend of mine, but she's my editor as well. And I want to take this time to just thank her publicly for generously giving of her time and her talent to help fulfill a a real need that I have and to serve all those who are listening. So thank you so much, Cindy. All right, let's dive in. I'm going to start with a takeaway. There was one thing in particular that Cindy said while sharing her testimony that really made a lasting impression for me. It was a huge takeaway. It resonated with me and I kept hearing, it's like I could hear Cindy just say it over and over again in that beautiful, calm voice of hers. And this is what it was. When God speaks, it cuts right through. When God speaks, it cuts right through. Oh, I just love that so much. And she also went on to say, it's truth and it's power. In Hebrews 4.12, uh, we read that it, it says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We also read in Ephesians 6 in the passage describing the armor of God that we are told to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's actually the only piece of armor that is used offensively, which just really proves its power. And then we have Jesus specifically using the Word when he was wandering in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and was being tempted by Satan. And Satan tried to use it as well. He, but he used the word out of context and with wrong motives. He uttered the words, it is written, to try to manipulate and deceive Jesus. He was trying to quote scripture. And we see Jesus come back with the exact same words, it is written, in the proper context, with truth and power, like Cindy said, and Satan was defeated. The word of God is so sharp. It pierces hearts. It cuts through lies that we might be believing, and it has the power and the ability to render the enemy powerless. And if we know that the word is that powerful, then we need to be doing something else that Cindy said as well. She mentioned, is what she said, that she needs to continue to believe what God says over what she sees in her circumstances. How perfect is that Like for right now, for such a time as this? For this uncertain, tumultuous time that we're experiencing in our own country right now, in our own cities, in our own neighborhoods, perhaps even in our own families. I don't know about you, but for me right now, it's been really easy for me to wonder what in the world the real truth 
even is these days. There's just information coming at us from all different sources, bombarding us from all different angles. And more often than not, it seems like the information is contradictory, confusing, and oftentimes not even credulous. God says that his word is a sure foundation and all others are sinking sand. I believe with all of my heart that God alone, only him, God alone, is 100% trustworthy and that his word is also 100% trustworthy. In fact, his is the only written word that I choose to put my faith, hope, and trust in. It is truth and it is power, just like Cindy said. So major takeaway, when God speaks, it cuts right through. All right, let's move on to the teaching. The title of today's teaching is Fear into Faith. And we are going to be looking at Luke chapter 8, where Jesus calms the storm. In studying this passage, this account of one of the miracles Jesus performed, we are going to answer three questions about the disciples. Here's the three questions. What were they doing? How was their perspective distorted? And what did they discover? So what were they doing? How was their perspective distorted? And what did they discover? And I'm just going to go ahead and start by reading the passage in its entirety. Starting with verse 22. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, master, master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So question number one, what were the disciples doing? Well, (laughs) they were being discipled. So the disciples were being discipled. There are 37 miracles of Jesus that are recorded, and chronologically, the cal- this calming of the sea miracle is number 12. So it's still fairly early on in Jesus's ministry, which means that the disciples hadn't been with them for that long. Having said that, they'd, they'd been with him long enough to have already seen him perform 11 miracles. That's just kind of something to note or tuck away. Regardless, they obviously still had a lot to learn. So they were in this process of being discipled. They were students. They were learning. And Jesus was the one doing the teaching. In fact, most of the time they addressed him as rabbi or teacher. So how how were they being discipled? Well, they were being discipled as, in conjunction with, as they participated in Jesus's ministry. So, and they, so they were following him. In fact, they, they left everything to do so. They were being obedient to the Lord's calling. And yet, despite their obedience, they encountered a fierce, life-threatening storm. And they feared and felt that they might die. So I'd like to take you back right now to the context of Cindy's panic attacks when they started. So Cindy and her husband, Eric, were considering doing something very similar to what Jesus' disciples did. 
They were planning to leave everything to become missionaries, to become ministers of the gospel in a foreign land. And just like the disciples, Cindy and Eric, she was being obedient. And also, just like the disciples, she encountered a fierce storm, major anxiety that at times made her feel, made her feel also like she was dying as well. So it's really important. I just want to stop make this point. It's really important to remember that being obedient does not exempt you from storms. Being obedient does not exempt you from storms. In fact, sometimes, as hard as it may be to comprehend, God may even lead you into a storm. Let's look at verse 22. Uh, It says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down in the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. He said, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Obviously, Jesus knew where he was taking them. He knew that there would be a storm. And obviously, he wasn't too concerned about it because he fell asleep in the boat. It's almost as if Jesus had planned it. As if maybe, just maybe, he had a purpose and a plan for leading them into that storm and for falling asleep. Jesus was always very intentional and strategic, and there was never anything haphazard about how he did things. So question number one again, what were the disciples doing? They were being discipled as they followed Jesus, as they ministered alongside him. They were being equipped for future, their future ministry. Basically, they were receiving on-the-job training. Question number two, how was their perspective distorted? The disciples had a fear problem, and that fear led them to panic, which distorted their entire view, not only of the situation that they were in, but of Jesus himself. Now, they were definitely in, in danger, scripture even says so, and they basically felt helpless as a result. In Mark's account of this miracle, he records the disciples as saying this, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Not only can you hear the fear in that statement, but the frustration as well, right? Jesus had done nothing about the storm thus far. This was actually very similar to what Cindy felt and shared in her testimony as well. Almost the same words even. She said at one point she was thinking, don't you care that this is happening to me, Lord? Don't you see how much I'm suffering? And she also said that she felt alone, even though she wasn't really alone. She said she knew she wasn't really alone, but she felt alone. Perhaps because too, like the disciples, she was seeing that nothing was being done about it thus far. So what was the distortion? Well, for the disciples, the, that panic and fear brought, brought on by that sudden storm blinded them to the fact that Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, was in the boat with them. But because he was sleeping, they thought he was going to let them drown. And they had a major misconception that maybe he just didn't care. Their distorted view of who Jesus really was caused them to fear even more. And just like the coat rack was making that distorted shadow on the wall that morning for Kaylee, that resulted in fear for her. And just as as Cindy had shared that the distorted view of death that brought on 
brought on fear for her in the form of panic attacks. Remember, she said eventually she realized after meditating on Psalm 23 that death God showed her death was just a shadow, that it held no substance. And she had that major revelation that he's the only one that can't be taken away from her. He's the only thing she needed. So in in the end, what she went through was basically this incredible object lesson for Cindy, just like it was for the disciples. Jesus, being this master teacher that he is, he used the storm and the calming of the storm to give the disciples an object lesson about who he was, the power he possessed, and the faith that they needed to develop. Cindy also learned these same things as well and more during her the stormy season that she was in. We all probably need to learn the very same lessons, right? Obviously, that was a rhetorical question. We all know the answer to that is yes, and Jesus also knows that the answer to that is yes, which is why he often sends us into the storms, just like he did the disciples. I don't know if you've heard this before, but I've heard it said that you're either headed into a storm or in the middle of a storm or just getting out of one. Storms of life are simply inevitable. They're inevitable. We just need to learn to view them differently. Maybe they're not happening to us. Maybe they're happening Just maybe they're happening for us. More often than not, I know you're going to find this true as well, it is during a storm or as a result of a storm that we learn these lessons about who he is and about the power that he holds. And it's during the storms that our faith is, that's where it's developed. It's it's during the storms. We might not see it right when we're in the middle of the storm, but as we get out of it, we, we can look back. Our faith is developed. So I mentioned earlier that the disciples had a fear problem. But not only did they have a fear problem, they had a faith problem as well. Right after Jesus calmed the storm, he asked them in verse 25, where is your faith? So what he did there is he exposed their lack of faith and he rebuked it. But he didn't just stop there. He grew their faith as well. For this was the whole purpose of of the miracle to begin with, of of calming this, sending them there and calming the storm to begin with. Remember, he was their teacher, their rabbi, their master. He was discipling them in order so that they could continue their ministry once he was gone. And he knew that they would need great faith to do so. He had a purpose for it. He does the same thing for us today. It takes great faith to follow him. And he knows that our faith needs to be developed. It needs to be strengthened. It needs to be grown. It doesn't just spring up overnight, and often um, it wavers, right, especially when we face the storms of life. But here's the thing about storms. Storms are temporary. They can come on suddenly and be pretty frightening at times, but thank God they don't last forever. And there's one very, very important thing that we can all count on, and that is he is in the boat with us always. Jesus was literally in the boat with the disciples during the storm. He was figuratively in the boat with Cindy while she was suffering from panic attacks. He says in his word that he will never leave us nor forsake us. If he said it, we can believe it because God does not lie. So question number two was how was their perspective distorted? 
Basically, their fear was bigger than their faith. So last but not least, question number three, what did they discover? Well, their discovery occurred right after Jesus calmed the storm. And it happens to us too when we witness a miracle. Him calming the storm, that was a miracle. It was one of his miracles that he performed. In verse 25, it says, In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So after he calmed the storm, the disciples caught a glimpse of his deity, and their view of him wasn't distorted any longer. He was no longer sleeping Jesus in the boat. He was Jesus who told the raging, out-of-control waves and wind what to do. Yet they still feared Verse 25 says, In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. But this time, however, they experienced and discovered a whole new kind of fear. It was a good kind of fear, the kind of fear God wants us to have, the awe, reverence, and wonder type of fear, the Moses and the burning bush type of fear, the Isaiah, woe is me type of fear, the Ezekiel fall-on-your-face type of fear. It's the type of fear that you experience after being in the presence of an almighty God and witnessing his miraculous power in the most personal of ways. It's the type of fear that leaves you speechless and also leaves you longing for more. It's that type of fear that develops our faith. It's the type of fear that turns into faith. Jesus knew what he was doing that day. He knew he would calm the storm, and he knew he would perform a miracle, and that his disciples would be amazed and in awe of him. And he knew that that is what would result in greater faith for them. That type of fear would result in greater faith. Faith that could weather any type of storm. Jesus knows what he's doing in our lives as well. He leads us into storms, yet miraculously calms them as well, gifting us with amazement, awe, and wonder, gifting us with holy fear, the type of fear that grows our faith and develops our faith. So question number three, what did the disciples discover? The type of fear that turned into faith. Thank you, Lord. I love that story. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to now move into the tip. And my tip to you is to share your stories, share your testimonies. One thing Cindy said that really stuck with me as well is she said she learned it wasn't just about me. And she shared about how God had opened doors for her to be able to share her testimony with other people who were also unbeknownst to her, experiencing very similar things. So God does not waste pain or suffering. Cindy went through a really dark time in her life for a couple of years, and we all go through dark times like that. None of us. None of us is exempt. And often, though, we can be silenced by shame or guilt and not talk about those dark times. But how often have you been encouraged when you meet another person who previously went through something similar to to what you did? Somebody who, by sharing their experiences, shed a little bit of light on your darkness. Somebody who helped you feel not so alone in your circumstances. 
who by sharing their own story made you realize that you weren't the only one who felt the way you did. Somebody who gave you hope. My tip, my advice is to pay close attention to what people are saying, how they're saying it, how they're acting, what they're feeling. You just never know when and where you can offer support by sharing a personal testimony of your own. And when you feel that prompting from the Holy Spirit to share, speak up. I do think, though, that we need to be careful and just to find that that balance, though, of sharing our experience, but at the same time not making it all about us in that moment. Like Cindy said, she realized it wasn't it wasn't all about her. But sometimes when we're sharing with somebody, we can forget and get caught up in the moment and just forget that the whole purpose in sharing is to minister to that person in front of us, to enter into their experience. And usually that requires a lot more listening than, than talking, right? I'm speaking to myself here as well. Uh, sometimes I get so into what I'm sharing that I forget why I'm sharing it. So my tip is to share your testimonies. Get them out there. And speaking of sharing testimonies, I am currently looking for more people to come with me, come along with me, come on the show and share uh, testimonies of faith on my podcast. We all have a story, each one of us. And if you feel God is prompting you to share, please don't ignore that prompting. You never know who needs to hear it and whose life you might change. And I can tell you for sure that he will honor your obedience by following his prompting. If you're not sure whether now's the time, please pray about it. Either he's going to make that desire to share stronger or he won't. (laughs) But if and when you are ready to share, please email me at chasingsquirrel67 at gmail.com. And if you're not sure if you're ready and you just want to talk, please email me as well. Okay, let's pray. Father, we just come before you and we thank you so much for the storms of life, Lord. It's so hard to be grateful when we're in the middle of a storm. I confess it is not easy. And usually my the waves are over my head and I'm getting nauseous from being tossed to and fro. And I, I can't I can't make heads or tails of, of anything. And, and it's hard to be grateful, Lord. But we can see right here in your word that... You have reasons. You have reasons for the storms. You send us into the storms and you calm the waters, Lord. We just thank you um, for that. We thank you, Lord, that we can experience this other type of fear, this holy fear, being in awe and reverence of you, of you, our miracle maker, of you, uh, the storm stiller of you, our our healer, of you, our deliverer. God, fill us with that holy fear. Fill us with the awe and reverence and wonder that comes from seeing you at work because we know, Lord, that it's that fear that turns into faith, God. We thank you, God, that we can experience these storms that we have in life. And as a result, our faith is strengthened and increased. And so we just thank you. Thank you for that, Lord. And pray for anybody right now who's in the middle of a storm. If you are right now in the middle of a storm, I want to lift you up and I pray that you would press in and that you would cling to Jesus, your, 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 your strong tower, your rock. Cling to him and cling to his word. God, we thank you for your word, Lord, that it is 
sharper than a double-edged sword and that it is useful for so many things in our life, especially when we're facing storms. It's, it's what we need. You are all we need. Just like Cindy said, you are all we need, Lord. So I just pray for anybody who's in the middle of a storm. I lift them up to you. Thank you that you know who they are and you know their name. We pray all of these things in the powerful, magnificent, miraculous name of Jesus. Amen. As always, thank you so much for listening today. I just want you to know that each morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is to pray for each of you listening that God would minister to you in a very tangible, personal way through these testimonies and teachings. And even though I may not know your name, He does. He knows the exact number of hairs on your head, and He knows you better than you know yourself. If you sense right now that He is beckoning you to get to know Him better, and you would like to know more about starting a personal relationship with Jesus, please email me at chasingsquirrels67 at gmail.com. I would really love to hear from you. 